Well, good morning again uh, today, Sunday, November the 10th. Tomorrow, Monday, is November the 11th. Anybody know what tomorrow is? Besides November the 11th. It's right, it's Veterans Day. And um, what we want to do is, is take a moment here. I have up here the, all the, the seals, the logos from all of the uh, armed forces. So what we would like to do is we like to take a moment and, and thank those of our congregation who have served. Uh, in, in the armed forces, and it could be have served or currently serving, we'd like to recognize you, take a moment, and we certainly do appreciate you, and certainly we want to take a moment then also and pray for uh, those who have served as well as those who are continuing to serve uh, around the, uh, the country and around the world. So first of all, has anybody here served in the Army? Go ahead and stand up. Stand up, if you will. All right, thank you. So then the next one then, has anyone here served in the Air Force? Got any, got any fly boys? All right, Walter. What about the Navy? Do we have any sea dogs in here? What's that? Uh, well, he's not here. How can we recognize him if he's not here? So, so Brian Serp served in the Navy. What about the Marines? Any, any jarheads in here? Yeah, up there, all right, all right. And usually when I've done this before, usually there's at least a representative of two from all of those. Usually the one that gets left out is the Coast Guard, but do you have any, any Coast Guard folks in here? And so once again, we, no cuss, but we, we certainly appreciate those who have served there as well. Um, and, and, of course, maybe you haven't served, but maybe you uh, have someone in your family, a friend, uh, someone, you, you probably all know someone who has served or is serving. I have uh, a nephew who is an, uh, a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force and uh, is actually married to, his wife is, is actually also in the Air Force. It was kind of interesting when she became a colonel before he did. I was <laughs> curious how that thing, how that worked in the family, but they seemed to, seemed to make it work. So... Um, but anyway, thank you for your service. We appreciate that. And certainly we appreciate our men and women who have uh, given their time, their lives to, to serve in around the world uh, to, to help our freedoms in our country and to help keep us safe. So let's stop, pause for a moment, and let's, let's say a prayer for, for those uh, who have served and are serving. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the men and women who have given their lives to, to help make this country what we are as far as a, a country that is freedom, that we have the freedom, we have the choice to choose, especially when it comes to uh, a choice of how we worship and who we worship. Father, we thank you so much for them. We pray that your blessing be upon our, the men and women currently serving in the armed forces around the world. And, and Father, that you would touch them and that you would uh, keep them safe, Lord. And again, we thank you for those members here who have served uh, in the armed forces. And, and Lord, we just pray that you continue to bless them and, and lift them up. And Father, it's in Jesus' name we pray it all. Amen. Well, we are continuing our series called The Basics of life. And uh, hopefully, if, even if you weren't here last week or hadn't had a chance to listen to that sermon online, which they are online. Anybody who, who knew that they were available online? Okay, that's good. So, uh, you know, take advantage of that. If you uh, miss, a, miss a sermon, you miss a Sunday, you can't be here, know that that's there for you to go back and, and to check out. But even if you weren't here, hopefully there will be a lot that you will take away from this message today. But for those of you who were here, who remembers what the B stood for last week? which I guess still stands for that this week. But uh, last week we talked about the B, the B for basics. So B stands for? Believe. That's right. And then we also talked about the A last week. And the A stands for? 
accept. So we started with the believe, be, believe, believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that Jesus is the Son of God, and, and accept, accept that we are in need of a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. Jesus is the only way of our salvation. So we're continuing today with the S and the I. We're going to take a look at this passage from James chapter 4 to start things off here. James chapter 4, picking up in verse 5, it says this, Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the Spirit he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you're double-minded. Let you pray with me. Father, I just pray that your word... Uh, will enter into us, Father, that we will take exactly what it is that you would have us to take away from this message today, and we will not just leave it here, Lord, but we will take it and we will apply it to our lives, apply it to ourselves, and that we might make a difference for you, that we might uh, spread your word, that we might share the love, and we might serve others. And Father, it's in Jesus' name that we pray it all. Amen. So the first letter we're looking at today as we continue this, uh, the basics of life, is, is the S, and the S stands for submit. And of course, this passage that we just read a moment ago um, is, is a, a great one. I, I love the book of James. It's, it's a lot of stuff packed in a, a very small book or a somewhat small book. Uh, but, but I just love, love James' writing and it just always speaks to me. But, you know, he says, submit yourselves to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Why does he say that? Because God gives us more grace. And the fact that he says, uh, in fact, up there in verse 5, he says, or 6, he says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he made to dwell in us. Have you ever thought about that for a moment? God being jealous for you. God is a jealous God. You see, he created us as his creation. He created us to serve him. And, and when we let other things draw our attention, when we let other things take us away, that, that we might focus, put our focus in different areas, or that we might spend our time doing other things than spending time with God or growing that relationship with God. Scripture, James tells us here that, that God is jealous over us. He's jealous. He longs for the Spirit of God to reach out and touch the Spirit of you, the Spirit that He put within you. He wants that connection. He yearns for that relationship with you. How do we get there? Well, we submit to God and submit. That word submit is defined as yielding or surrendering to the will or authority of another. Submit. You see, if we believe that Jesus is who he says he is and we accept that we need him, then we submit to him. We surrender to him. If we don't, then, then what we're saying effectively is this, that, hey, God, I got this. I don't need you. Did you check that out? When we fail to submit to God, we're saying, God, guess what? I don't need you. I got this. I got this on my own. Now, how many of you think that you are capable of handling everything that comes your way on your own? Now, the problem is, is that I hear some laughter. You're like, well, of course not. But the problem is, is that way too many people who claim the name Christ simply forget about God, forget about the power that is there, and forget about what he can do for us. And we just push him aside and say, it's okay, God, I've got this on my own. You see, being submitted means that we make him Lord of our life. 
All the way back in Genesis 2, we find that the name of God changes a little bit. And from Genesis 2 on, uh, beginning there in verse 4, we find that God is now referred to not just as God, not just as God creator, but Lord God. Genesis 2, 4 says, These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the days that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. What's that word mean, Lord, in its simplest definition, is one who has authority, control, or power over others, a master, a chief, or a ruler. You see, as, we're, as, as creator of all things, don't you think that God is worthy of that title as Lord, creator of all things? Well, the question is, though, do we truly make him Lord of our lives? That's what we're talking about when we're talking about submitting. Now, here's the thing about God. Do you believe that God is all-powerful? You believe that God can do what God wants to do? Well, here's the thing. God can come in and say, guess what? You don't have a choice in this. But that's not how God operates. He doesn't just force his way in and have, uh, have you do what he wants you to do. You see, God wants to operate out of love. And he wants us to operate out of love. Now, think about this for a minute. Anybody in the dating phase of their life? Anybody's so glad they're not in the dating phase of their life? <laughs> Let me tell you, when I got back on the dating scene, things had changed. Let me tell you. Oh, my goodness. And that is not a place I wanted to be. But anyway, uh, if you think back then, for those of you who have not been in the dating phase for a long time, think back. You know, you see that, you know, that person of your dreams, that guy, that gal, whatever it was. And you, you, see, you see them and you think, oh, Lord, you know, I, I really really like this person, and I, I really wish they loved me as much as I loved them. You think you can make that happen? And, and what if God said, sure, no problem. He snapped his fingers, and boom, and, and they loved you just as much as you thought you loved them. And now they're hanging around, and, and now they're you know, wanting to you know, serve you and be with you and hang out with you. And then you realize that they love you because not because of you, that you had absolutely nothing to do with it. It was not about your charming personality, right? It was not about your wit. It was not about your smile. It was not even about your fancy car. It was because God snapped his fingers and made them love you. What kind of love is that? Think about that for a moment. So think about that in terms of how God loves us. You see, God created us. He loves us so much that he wants to give us the choice to love him back. So we get to choose. Are we going to love him? Are we going to love him so much that we make him Lord of our life? You see, it's up to you, up to us to choose. God wants to say, I love you, Lord, and I want you to be in control of my life. Now, I know for me, if, if I try to take control back, then I'm going to mess things up really good. Um, and I've been there, been done that. You know, typically when things are going along and they're really smooth and things are humming along and things are great, life's looking up and you're, you're, you're riding the highs, you're, you're, you're up in the, on the mountaintops and, and everywhere you look, it just looks like glory, hallelujah, everything's great. And then we forget what got us there. And then we start sliding down that valley. It's like, wow, things were so good. What's going on now? And then we keep sliding and we get further, further down in that valley. Why do you think that is? You see, it's easy. It's easy to make God Lord of our lives when it's all good. But unfortunately, when we get there and it's all good, then suddenly we forget why we need him. 
You see, God is God in the good and the bad. We need to praise God when it's good. We need to praise God when it's bad because he's always the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, forever. He does not change. His character is who he is. So our submission means that we're going to serve God when it's good. We're going to serve God when it's bad. But again, it's a choice. Romans 8, 6 through 8 says this. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. Paul's talking about a spiritual death here. He said, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Think about that for a moment. It's a hard word. I didn't write it. It's a hard word, but it's God's word. See, Paul indicates here that with the, in this passage that we have a choice to make, doesn't he? He says, where do you set your mind? Are you setting your mind on the flesh? Because to set your mind on the worldly, on the fleshly, is to set your mind on things other than God. And that means spiritually speaking, you're now spiritually dead to God. But when we set our mind on the Spirit and we seek to serve God and we seek to live in the Spirit, then guess what? That's where we find life and peace. Now, that doesn't mean that things are going to go great for us. But what it does tell us that when things do go bad, when things do go wrong, when things are not going like we want them to, we can still find peace because of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean it's easy. Nobody ever said it was. As a matter of fact, Jesus told us that it wasn't going to be. He said when trouble comes. He didn't say if trouble comes. He said when trouble comes, when you fall on hard times. But I don't know about you, but I would much rather be submissive to God at all times and know that he's there for me when things aren't going so great. See, to be submissive to God and his calling in our lives means to set our mind on that spirit of God. When we refer to the Trinity, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Got a little chart up here that kind of helps us with that. When we think about the Trinity and we think about the Holy Father, uh, God, God is creator, right? He is our creator. He is the almighty God. He is the supreme being, the supreme ruler, Father God. And then, we, then there's the Son, and that, of course, we know is, is Jesus. Jesus is our, our Savior. Uh, Jesus is the one who came so that we might live. Jesus is equal to the Father. And then Jesus is subservient to the Father, even though He is equal to the Father. And then we got the Holy Spirit. I think most of us, depending upon the background or whatever church background you might have, most of us probably try to have a pretty good understanding about the Father and the Son, but sometimes understanding the Holy Spirit is a little more elusive for us. So what is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is, is that, that which indwells in us. It's that aspect of God, that part of God that comes to, to live in us, so to speak. The Holy Spirit is received. It's received when we receive Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes upon us. And then also, the Holy Spirit is also what empowers us. Now, when I talk about the Holy Spirit, I find that even adults sometimes have a hard time with this concept because this is trying to understand something that doesn't seem to make any sense. It doesn't match up with the laws of physics. You see, we have three in one. There's only one God. The way I explain it to people, and I've explained this to kids, but I found out then that that explanation to kids often works really well for adults. 
How many of you ever been in a place where they had like a children's sermon? You find out you got more of that for the children's sermon than you'd have the regular sermon. <laughs> you know, we probably all, maybe you've been there before. I know I've been there. Um, but the way I explain it to kids is this. So again, it works well for adults. I'm one person. I'm a son. I have a mother and a father. And my relationship with my parents is this way. I'm also a husband. I have a wife, and my relationship to my wife is this way. But I'm also a father. I have kids. And my relationship to my children is going to be this way. So there's certain things that, that go on in that relationship that don't go on in relationship with my wife. And there's certain things that go on in that relationship that don't go on in the relationship with my parents. But yet I love them all, and I have a relationship with them all. And yet I'm still one person. But there are three very different aspects of one person, me, But think about the Trinity in this. There is one God. And there are very different aspects of that one true God. And these are the aspects. God the Father. God is the creator. He's the creator of the universe, almighty, supreme. Just as equal to him is the Son, Jesus, the Christ, who is subservient to the Father. Just just the same as the Father, a part of the Father, an aspect of the Father, and same is true with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, then, is an aspect of God. Now, think about that for a moment. Because if the Holy Spirit is what indwells us, that's God putting Himself in us so that we might be like Him, so that we might be like Christ. And that last one there, if the Holy Spirit empowers, that's one that we just simply sometimes forget about. We stop to... We, we, we don't often stop to think about what it means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I thought this was a good place to interject my little Trinity talk for you. And, and maybe, maybe that cleared up some things for you. Maybe it just solidified what you already knew. Either way, I think it's always good to be reminded about God, about the Father, about the Son, and about the Holy Spirit and understanding um, this about the Trinity or, or God as one God, you know, the Spirit of God, that Holy Spirit that lives within us. You know, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit when He ascended into heaven after the resurrection. Then on the day of Pentecost, if you remember back in Acts, that's when the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that Scripture teaches us that whenever we receive Jesus Christ, that's when we become filled with the Holy Spirit. We are now, after, it's after that point that we become filled with the Holy Spirit and we tapped into the empowerment of God Himself. So to submit to God is to submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 6.25, it says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. You see, if you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk. It's plain and simple. Submit to Him, and then we begin to develop the mind of Christ. That means in every aspect of our lives, we we need to give up everything. How many of you think that if, if you're honest with yourself, you've got some little something that you're hiding away? There's some little piece of your life that you haven't fully submitted. You see, God is asking for all of us. And we have to reach down deep inside, search our hearts, and find out if there's anything within us, some little piece, some little part that we have tucked away. Now, I'm going to stereotype here for just a moment. And I can speak as a man. Makes sense. Guys, we tend to compartmentalize. Now, some of you ladies will do that same thing. I'm speaking, I know, from from a man's perspective, we tend to compartmentalize. It's easy to take, sometimes it's survival, because it's easy to take those different aspects of our life and shove them into little boxes. 
So you say, okay, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go to work, and when I go to work, I'm going to be this way, and I'm going to interact with this group of people. And then when I leave work, uh, some of us have to take our work home with us, but when I leave work, hopefully I'll close that box, and I'll go home, and I'll open up this box over here, and now, now I'm going to kiss my wife, and I'm going to pat my kids on the head, and I'm going to interact with my family this way. So here's my family box. And then over here, I've got my hobby box, the things that I like to do. Now, the thing about it is that for guys, sometimes it's easy to be one way over here and to be another way over here and be something completely different over here. You see, it's easy for us to sometimes take those things that may be not quite so indicative of the Spirit within us, that might, be, might not be so pleasing to God, those behaviors, those things we do. Some of you might call them habits. So when we submit to God, it's all of us. It's every part, every piece of us, because I'll guarantee you, God knows you all the way down to your toes. Actually, he knows you, a better description is actually he knows us all the way down to the subatomic structure that makes us up. Let me stop and think about that for a moment. How many of you have studied chemistry, physics, biology, all of those things, and you understand that we are all made up? There's a certain chemistry with us, and it all goes down to this subatomic level. You see, as vast as the heavens are and as far as we can see, God made all that. But guess what? He understands us all the way down to our subatomic levels. Probably never heard it that way, have you? But that's true. So he knows us way better than we can know ourselves. When the scripture, what we see is that God knows us so well that he, he can number the hairs on our head. For some of us, that's a lot easier than others. <laughs> and he doesn't have to count as high. He's having to not quite count as much the older I get. I'm losing a little bit back here, but uh, he's not having to quite count quite so much. But God knows us. He knows our very inner being. So God knows very well when we're taking those parts and pieces and hiding them away. Because, let's face it, sometimes it's easy to stick things in the corner and, you know, I'm going to be this over here. I'm going to do this. And... Uh, it's just for me. It's not hurting anybody. This habit, this thing that I do, it's just about me. First church I ever pastored, I, I enjoy a, an occasional round of golf, and the first church I ever pastored was up in Columbus, Indiana, and there were several folks there who liked to play golf, and there was a group of guys that would go out uh, usually about once a week and play golf, and uh, one of the, the guys was about my age. We struck up a pretty good friendship. He was actually a funeral director, and, and uh, he told me, he said, uh, before I ever knew what he did, he said, yes, I'm the last guy that's going to let you down. <laughs> I figured out later what exactly he meant by that. But, but anyway, he was telling me that how he had played golf with the pastor that was a couple pastors before me that had been there, and he said that he had seen that pastor um, get a little agitated so much that he threw his seven iron in the, in the um, lake, I think, one time, and he, then he made a comment that he, he left his stole that ornamental kind of uh, high church type garb, the stuff that you won't see me wearing. Uh, he, he left that in his office. What indicated that even the pastor there was going to be one way on the golf course and another way when he's in church. So see, none of us are immune to that. You see, the idea is that if we're a person of integrity, 
if we're a person of godly integrity who submits our life to God each and every day, then we're going to be the same. And so even if we try to compartmentalize, we're going to be the same at work as we are at home, as we are when we're on the golf course, when we're out there doing the things that we enjoy doing. Can we honestly say that each and every one of us live our lives the same day to day to day regardless of what we're doing, regardless of where we are and regardless of who we're with? You see, that's total submission. That's making God Lord of your life because he already knows what you're doing. He already knows what you're saying. He already knows the bad habits that you've got. What God says, I love you so much that I would like all of you to show up. I would like all of you to serve me. That's what being Lord, making him Lord of our life looks like. Are we choosing to pursue the things of God rather than worldly things? And again, that doesn't mean that we can't have hobbies and can't have things that we enjoy doing, but are we doing it in such a way that God still gets the glory? Be submissive to God and what He's calling you to do in all things. Submit to God, living by the Spirit at all times. You see, our Heavenly Father, He yearns for that relationship with His children. And again, he won't force it, but when we oppose him in our pride or whatever reason that we hold on to what we want to hold on to, what happens is we begin to fall out of his grace. Now, I'm not talking about losing our salvation. I'm just talking about falling out of favor. But you see, when we submit, then we offer ourselves humbly to him and we say, God, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I need you, Lord. I need you in my life. That's what total submission looks like recognizing that we can't do it on our own, and we certainly can't do it in a way that God gets the glory for it on our own. The I, then, that we want to move to today is infuse, and that's a word you don't hear every day, but infuse. To be infused with something is to be filled with or to have something instilled. So infusion is when something becomes a part of the original. You know how I talked about that Holy Spirit, that aspect of God that indwells us, that, that fills us up. That's how God infuses us with himself. It's when we become a follower of Jesus Christ. He sends the Holy Spirit that we might be infused. You see, when we speak of the Holy Spirit, hopefully we think about the Holy Spirit filling us, and he has marked us once he has filled us. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. You see, in him you also, when you heard the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, again, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. God says, when you recognize me, when you accept me as Lord, when you receive your salvation, then you are sealed with that promise of the Holy Spirit. You are sealed. You are made different. Back in the olden days of ancient going on, when people actually wrote letters and didn't just send out emails and those kinds of things. Anybody actually still write letters? You know, actually to take pen and paper and card. I'm not talking about like a goose feather with ink, you know, but just, just taking a pen in hand and writing the card and writing your, your heartfelt thoughts out there in cursive even, right? Because who writes in cursive these days? Um, but, you know, just to, to write something out and, and send somebody a letter, a note, you know, but back in the olden days, actually a long, long time ago, back in the days of the ancient kingdoms, they would send out uh, royal messages, and they were 
written on a scroll or some type of parchment paper that was folded and then sealed, and they would take wax, and then it would be, uh, they would use a signet, a ring, or some other type of stamp, and they would drip that wax on there, and then they would stamp it with the official seal, the official crest of the kingdom, or whatever it might be. And I actually I looked this up. They're, they're actually kits that you can do this, you know, because I'm thinking, because we all write so many letters, but you can actually get a little kit, you know, some of you are crafty, you know, you've got three memberships on Pinterest and all that, um, and, and you can get real crafty, and you get your little stamp kit, and you can, you can stamp your letters and, and send them off to somebody, and they know that you took the time to at least wax their letter really good. But the thing about that wax seal is then, you know, back in the olden days when it traveled from place to place to place, if that seal was broken when it got there, the messenger could be put to death because it was important that that message got there intact. That seal was so important. And it's so important for us as followers of Jesus Christ to know that we have been sealed. God puts his stamp on us with the Holy Spirit. And that seal cannot be broken. You see, so to be infused with godliness is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And because we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that means that we want to walk contradictory to worldliness. You know, God God has a certain standard, doesn't He? But the world has another standard. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 said, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You see, that means to put aside our fleshly behaviors, and we just try try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. What is it that pleases the Lord? What is it that God would have us do? How do we recognize God in our life by living for him? And then up in Ephesians 5, 17, it says, just a few verses on down, it, it says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, if we continue to know the Holy Spirit, to know that we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, but we continue to ignore the power of the Holy Spirit, and we continue to do what we want to do, and continue to live in worldly ways, then we are, according to Paul, being foolish. We need to understand what the will of the Lord is. Too many times we often flaunt our foolishness nowadays. I mean, we don't even have to be foolish in front of people because we take pictures of it and put it on Facebook. We just post on social media and tell everybody. By the way, I am on Facebook. I don't often friend people in the congregation, and here's why. Now, if you send me a friend request, I'll be happy to accept it. Here's why, because if you friend me, that means your pastor is going to be seeing what you put on there. Think about that for a moment. Now, here's the thing. There's nothing special about me, but if you put that on there, you may be a sermon illustration. I'm just saying. <laughs> so you just think about that. Keep that in mind. But I would be happy to accept your friend request. Uh, forgive me if it takes a little while because I also get friend requests from strange people around the world that I don't know. And um, uh, so I may have to do a research if I'm not familiar with the face yet, but I'd be happy to accept your, your friend request. Um, So the question then this morning, does Christ shine through you? Are your actions in line with the will of the Holy Spirit, with the will of God? You see, when when we are infused with godliness, then we shouldn't be able to help but have God's love shine through us. You see, God says this. He says, be holy 
as I am holy. This is not a suggestion. Be holy as I am holy. Now, how many of you, after a long weekend, if you've had a chance to maybe get some things done around the house, you've had a chance to hopefully come get your spiritual batteries charged up on Sunday and you're ready to face the world. You know what I'm talking about. You're ready to charge hell with a water pistol. You know what I'm talking about. You're ready to go. You're fired up. But then Sunday night comes, and then it hits you. i got to go back to work tomorrow. i got to go back to the real world tomorrow. And you get up Monday morning, you're like, oh, you're not feeling very holy. <laughs> now, God said, be holy as I am holy, and that means seven days a week. Or you could think of it like this, you only have to be holy on the days that end in Y. Think about that for a second. Some of you will get that later. Again, not a suggestion. A lot of times we take biblical mandates and they act like they're for everybody else except us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you're here today and you're in Christ, then this applies to you. You are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So that means we've got to stop acting like the old self if we're truly infused with the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, will, it will be much easier to let the new creation be seen if we are living in the Holy Spirit. So when people see you, do they know there's something different about you? Do they know? Now, many of you may have grown up in the church. Uh, maybe you didn't feel like you had some radical transformation. I remember as a kid having speakers that would come to the church and people would talk about some kind of radical transformation. I remember uh, hearing this one guy come and talk and he talked about his addictions. He was addicted to alcohol. He talked about all the things that he had gone through where he was in the gutter and he was just trying to, where he was going to get his next drink, where he was going to get his next bit of alcohol. And he was, he was doing things like drinking mouthwash and just all kinds of crazy stuff, just try to get whatever little bit of alcohol he could into his system. And he was just in a bad, bad way. But he talked about then how when he met Christ, how it was this radical change in his life. And, and those cravings didn't go away immediately, but they became much easier to bear because he had given his life to Christ. And it was just really cool to hear, wow, he was in the gutter and doing all these things, and then suddenly, boom, Christ got a hold of him, and now he's a completely different person. And you could very well see the old creation versus the new creation and how Christ had changed him. I grew up in the church, and, and I was baptized at the age of seven at a got saved, if you will, at, at age six, just before that. So, so pretty much a, my whole life I've been a Christian. And, and I don't feel like there was a lot of radical change that happened from the time that I was seven to the time that I was eight, you know. <laughs> and so, so for me, sometimes when I look back, I was like, where, is that, where did that new creation begin? Where did the old one end? Where did the new one begin? Maybe you came to Christ as an adult, and, and you can think back, and you know, you can see that radical transformation maybe in your own life. But regardless of where you came to know Christ, believe me, we are a new creation. Now the question is, are we going to live like this new creation? Are we going to stop acting like the old self? Colossians 3.2 gives us some idea how we can stop acting like the old self. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Now, understand that we aren't to be, and I've heard, heard this used before this quote, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Don't live with your heads in the cloud 
looking around. It was, well, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I, my ticket is punched. I am going, and too bad you're not. You know, don't get all high and mighty, and don't walk around with your head in the clouds and looking down on everybody else, because that's not what that's about. What that's about is saying, you know what, I know where I am going. God has saved me. Jesus has come into my life. And because of the Holy Spirit, I know what my future holds. Now, here's the thing. I love God so much, and I'm so excited about that, but I love you too much to not let you see what God has done in my life, to not let you know about your opportunity. You can have that same opportunity to be in the same place that I am. I think that's what we're talking about. So, so don't float around through heads in the cloud that you miss the service opportunities or the chances to share God's love with people all around you. I think that's what Paul is saying when he um, says this in Colossians. So for us, really, what it comes down to, uh, this idea of the, the new creation, the old creation, being infused with the Holy Spirit, uh, making God Lord of our lives, what that means is that we've got to recognize, we've got to dig down deep, and we have to ask ourselves some tough questions about the old self. Have we truly given up the old ways? And I, there's a song, one of my favorite contemporary Christian groups is a group called Mercy Me. Anybody ever heard of them? Three of you, good. Uh, and, and so I, uh, one of their songs is, I, I, I love them, I've seen them in concert a few times, but it's just kind of this rocking way, I just kind of really like their style, I guess. But one of the songs that I found, I, and I was, I was actually going to sing part of it for you, then I realized that when I sing this in my head, I sound just like Bart Millard, the lead singer for Mercy <laughs> Me. And then when I started, and I'm like, no, oh, it's not what I thought it was. So I'm going to at least, so, so I think I'm just going to skip the singing part today, and I'm at least going to do uh, Maybe another time we'll do something else. But the words say this. The first verse says, well, if I come across a little bit distant, it's just because I am. Things just seem to feel a little bit different. You understand? Believe it or not, but life is not apparently about me anyways. But I've met the one who really is worthy. So let me say, so long, self. It's been fun, but I've found somebody else. So long, self. There's just no room for two, so you're going to have to move. So long, self. Don't take this wrong, but you are wrong for me. Farewell. Oh, well, goodbye. Don't cry. So long, self. Uh, and then he goes right on in the second verse. He said, stop right there because I know what you're thinking. But no, we can't be friends. And even though I know your heart is breaking, this has to end. And come to think of it, the blame for all of this simply falls on me for wanting something more in life than all of this. Oh, can't you see? And it goes back to the chorus, so long, self. It's kind of a fun idea, this idea that there's two sides of us, the worldly side and, and the godly side. But if we're truly going to submit ourselves and truly let the infusion of the Holy Spirit speak forth in us, we truly need to learn to understand, to say, so long, self, the old self, the worldly self. Put those things aside and live in the light of Jesus Christ so that your light shines through to others. And that's how we get back to the basics of life. Won't you pray with me? Father God, we just, we thank you. It's, we talk about this and and it's so easy to talk about, but Lord, I know that the hard, difficult part of it really is just in living it out. Because it's easy 
to live that way right here, gathered together with the body of Christ. But when we go back to work or we get back in our day-to-day routines or head off to school or whatever it might be, Lord, I know that's where the rubber hits the road, and I know that it, that's where it becomes more difficult. But, Father, I pray that you will give us the strength, that you will help us to live in such a way that God gets the glory for all of it, that, that Jesus Christ shines through us and through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, we make a difference so that we can point back to Christ in everything that we do and everything that we say. Lord, it's, I know sometimes it, it might be difficult to think, for us to think, how can we be uh, a, a godly person or a godly representation when we're just going through the, the motions of life? But Father, I, I believe that when you change us, you truly change us so that when people see us, they know that there's something different about us, not just in the things that we say, but just how we respond to situations that we're placed in at work or just in our day-to-day routines. Father, I just pray that you will help us today to, to put our old self aside and say so long, self, that we might truly live a different creation. Father, we give you the praise and the honor and glory for that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray it all. Amen. Well, thank you again for, for being here this morning. Um, I just uh, hope that the, this word from God has spoken to you and you've been reminded about what it means to, to give up that old self, put on the new self, and truly live a life worthy of God, of pleasing to God. So again, thank you. Uh, I believe that, uh, uh, well, before I get to that part, I'll say this. Um, you know, if, again, if, if there's anyone who ever needs to talk, Give me a call, stop me, catch me before we get out of here or whatever. Shoot me an email, text, whatever it might be. But I want to hear from you if you've got something to say, a thought, a comment. Maybe you just have a story you'd like to share. Uh, maybe you want to pay me off so you don't be made a sermon illustration. <laughs> whatever. Whatever works, whatever reason that you need to. Uh, I, w- I would love to hear from you, though, seri- all seriousness. Uh, I would love to hear from you. Um, and again, I'm, I'm excited about getting to know each and every one of you uh, a little bit better as we move forward and we get... Uh, so we can rely upon each other uh, as we move forward and get stronger, this body of Christ, and make a difference in the community right around us. All right, well, I believe we got something else going on today. That's why you're all sitting at tables. It kind of feels like dinner theater or something here. Um, but I, I believe it's time to, uh, time to have some lunch, and I do appreciate everyone coming out today and uh, supporting us and welcoming, welcoming me and my family. And again, we are very excited to see where, where God is going to take us. Joe, do we have any thoughts or...